This is So Far So Rare, a podcast about all things so rare, brought to you by 1.37pm. My first ever guest on So Far So Rare is the lovely MDJ, predominantly known from Twitter and Discord, So Rare Ambassador, author of the Football MDJ blog. Mel, how's things? Things are good, John. I feel uh, this is an honour and a privilege to be on the first of these pods. So thank you so much for having me on. It is genuinely an honour. No, it's lovely. Thank you so much. I mean, I think for the first few episodes, people listening who already know me, you're going to be seeing a lot of familiar faces because I want want to pick people who I trust and who I know have a microphone. But if anyone listening wants to come on or feels of something to add to the discussion, by all means, please do reach out on Twitter or Instagram. But Mel, before we get into this, do you want to give us just a really quick summary of your time in SoRare? Give us, give people listening an idea of the sort of manager you are, your rough sort of like, like are you dabbling in Division 1, Division 4? Do you know, a quick sort of summary of you and SoRare. Yeah, sure. So I've been on SoRare since August last year. I did try to join in July. Um, I'd seen quite a few people from the old Football Index community talking about it, piqued my interest. I tried to join. I knew nothing about NFTs or crypto, got completely unstuck at the joining phase and just gave up for a month. And then thought, come on, get your act together. So I got back on. I think I did that exact same thing. (laughs) Did you? You know, yeah, hi, being Quinny and all were shouting from the rooftops and I like signed up and then was like, ugh, nah. I was driving people (laughs) mad trying to get signed up to the extent that I don't actually know whose referral link I used in the end. So I'm sorry, whoever it was, you never got got the bonus from me. But Confession, I I actually think, sorry, I actually think this is confession time now and I don't know if they'll be listening. I hope they are, but. I definitely signed up with either Quinny or Hybe's link. And then yeah. I might have got so frustrated with that account that I re-signed up without our link. And it's like, oh God, do you know? Yeah, exact same, exact same. But once once I got through that initial barrier and got my head around it, I just thought this is this is fantastic. I really like it. It just fills, fills a gap for me, uses my knowledge, um, the knowledge that I built up over the last three or four years on similar products um, and just opens up a whole new sphere as well because then you're introduced to the Belgian League, you're introduced to the MLS, uh, K-League, mm. J-League, all the stuff that you know I knew nothing about before so that really piqued my interest. Um, in terms of what sort of a manager I am, well, probably pretty average. Um, you know, I've always been really honest that I'm not the best at this. I just have a dabble and I do my best. And I hold on to players for too long because I'm just naturally <laughs> a collector and I'm really rubbish at selling. Um, and I always have too many teams in rather than just putting the best players in one or two teams. So I always come on stuff there. But I'm, I'm pretty well spread now across most of the leagues. I've just left the Asian leagues alone because that's just too much. I know that that will just stretch me too far. So pretty much everything else I'm, I'm having a double in. So, yeah, just doing it for fun, really, as much as anything else. Uh, that's the beauty of it. You mentioned the Asian leagues there. I assume you've had a double. Um, you're saying you're leaving it there for now. I kind of bought a team and then went away from it because I kind of realized, you know what, this isn't for me. Um, and I think each season now, what I'll probably do is in the off season, pick up a few of the kind of really strong performers, use them for a few weeks and then sell them whenever the European leagues end. It kind of worked out for me this year, I think. Um, but it's the beauty of it that it, it's a big myth and it's one of the biggest myths that's so rare at the start is that you need to know about Japanese football. You need to know about the MLS. You need to know about South American football. You absolutely do not. I mean, it helps. And I mean, it might be more entertaining, it might be more budget friendly at times, but it's not a necessity by any means. Um, 
But yeah, I see there, for anyone listening, by the way, there is a new feature on So Rare where you can follow people. So Mel's the manager of Mediocre FC. Go over and give her a follow. Very honest name. (laughs) um, So tell me this. I have a quick question before we get into a couple of topics I want to discuss and lots of brilliant questions from the community. So thanks to everyone for submitting those. You, your blog, it's it's about the kind of title is football gambling done differently, testing alternative betting platforms. Now, so rare would argue, sort of, they'd fight you to the death over the fact that they're not gambling. But where do you? St- this is a kind of tough question in many ways. Where do you stand on that line? Like, do you think it is? Do you think it isn't? I know it isn't. It isn't by the book, by the regulator. It isn't. But neither are sports cards. Yet I would argue mm-hmm. buying a box of Panini Donruss and ripping it is a sense of gambling to a lot of adults. And I think, did you know what I'm getting at here? Yeah, totally. Where's that I mean, line? I mean, by the book it isn't. And I've had, you know, I've had conversations slash fallouts with people online about this because actually if you're looking at it in legal terms, they've made it clear that it isn't gambling. You know, so that's done. That is where it is. But then there's loads of things that we do in life that could be considered gambling. You know, every time you buy an insurance package, you're kind of gambling. But the amount you pay each month yeah. on your insurance premium is is a good gamble because you might need to cash out on it sometime. And I think, you know, it depends on what you're playing it for. If you're playing it because you've got one eye on making a profit or at least not making a loss at the end of it, then it probably is gambling if you're if you're quite prepared to play the game, win or lose, not bothered, then perhaps it isn't if you're just more of a collector. But I think, yeah, it just it just depends on where you stand on it, really. You can argue pretty much anything is gambling when you when you really break it down. But, you know, in legal terms, it isn't. And uh, mm. it's quite clearly set up as a collectible, an NFT collectible that's got a game attached to it and make of that what you will. You can see they tread that line very carefully because the minute you bring gambling into it, you wouldn't have Griezmann sniffing about. You wouldn't have lots of the big names endorsing the platform that do. So they obviously, you know, even with like, it feels like a gamble, you know, when you win a reward and the, the reward reveal, it feels like a pack opening, but it's different legally than actually just going and buying a pack. And it's something I keep seeing people posting on Twitter and Discord, wherever else, like, I'd love to see packs. I'd love to see packs. But this kind of RNG loot box thing, like it's been really it's really been clamped down on across the land, across the land. Well, who am I? Am I in the 1600s across the world. Do you know what I mean? Because like FIFA and stuff, it promotes that kind of gambling aspect of the youth. And then the so rare basically are probably trying to stay very clear of that. So yeah. And they've got I, I to have an it. eye on, they've got to have an eye on what's happening globally. And that, that must make it much more complicated for them because they're not Absolutely. just dealing with one territory. They're dealing with the laws across the globe. So if loot boxes are an issue in some countries, but not in others, then they've got to play it safe and just not have anything mm. that even slightly resembles it. But I think the point that you made about players getting involved in so rare is one where they're going to need to be even more careful, aren't they? Because we've, I mean, Again, I don't know what the global picture is, but we've seen in this country even issues with players having FPL accounts and tipping people off about exactly. possible team lineups. So, you know, I don't know I don't know how close to the line they are with players like Griezmann having a so rare account and playing SO five. At what point does that cross over a line? So I imagine they've got a lot of legal eagles looking at this all of the time. It, it can't mm. be an easy line to tread that one. Because there's definitely a lot of managers out there monitoring the likes of Griezmann's activity. And if he buys a player, they're thinking, why has he bought him? He knows something. You know, he's heard something from his mate while he's on international duty that this kid's the next Maradona. Do you know what I mean? So, like, mm. it's very easy to speculate there. Mm. But, um, look, it'll be very interesting. And, and 
I'm, I'm going to just do it anyway. I was going to hold back because it's something I don't know anything about, but I know like NBA Top Shot, I have a feeling that one of the reasons they're kind of slow to put a game in is because they have done the pack kind of model. And then if they add a game on top of that, it can be seen as gambling because for some reason, I heard this somewhere, I forget where, but apparently it could become an issue. Whereas the likes are so rare, the way that they're very game first and packs aren't a thing. I think basically what I'm getting at here is, and I don't know why this is the first topic I've really delved into in this podcast's life, but packs probably aren't going to happen in my mind. And if they do happen, wonderful, but I just can't see it too hard. Um, no, I think that they could do more with that that reward reveal. I think they can build yeah. that up even more. I know, I know there's issues with that because people would also like to know what rewards are available or have the chance perhaps to pick a reward. But I can see why that that thrill of not knowing and then having it revealed to you is a, is a potentially a big part of the hook. Just like opening a physical card pack. Hmm. Well, like the the sort of gold standard of this is FIFA Ultimate Team, getting people mm. to rip packs, pay money up for digital goods. And, you know, kids are buying these packs. And the whole draw there is that it's almost like it's like a theatrical moment of like the color of the the sprinkler thing that comes out and the nationality will come up and then it'll be the position and then you're kind of guessing who you could have and then it'll be like the club and this and that. And it just draws it out. And I think for someone who streams my reward openings, if they're sort of tier one or above it would be great from a content standpoint and it would be great for even getting because i mean i had it in the last sort of month now two big fifa youtubers have followed me on twitter i'm talking like two million subscriber big big people and i kind of it's maybe what got me excited and got me just investing that bit more going into the super rare market i'm thinking like look i could be wrong here i could be wrong disclaimer for everyone listening I've been wrong many times before. I am bullish. You're listening to a guy who's making a podcast about the platform. So always take everything I say with a pinch and salt, pinch of salt from here going forward. But when they followed me, I was thinking like, okay, if they target that audience, if they target that audience, and if they do sort of not mimic it in many in, they're so different, but I mean, in terms of like the pack opening aspect, they can't really do packs, but even the rewards, if they can beef it out a bit and make it more of a streamable experience, maybe these guys get on board, do you know, and maybe they start adding it into their, like while they're doing their FIFA stream, they sort of say, oh, I won this reward on so rare this week, let's open it. Because I know there's a guy, Castro, he, he rip, um like the physical cards at the start of his streams, do you mm-hmm. know? And kind of incorporate it in. So like if, if these guys start going like, oh, geez, on so rare this week, what do you see who I got? I got this guy or I won this guy on an auction or I won this guy on SO5. I think that could be the next, that could be their marketing plan. Um, yeah, yeah, there's got to, they've got to be driving more towards that because you've got to have an eye on content creators now and they've got to they've got to kind of spoon feed the stuff that then the rest mm. of us can put out there and get people excited. I don't think they've quite got there yet. But you can see with how the card design is evolving that they're starting to think more about that because now certainly with the rookie cards, you've got things that you'd be quite proud to show off, I think. So yeah. I think they're moving in the right direction. Absolutely. Well, Mel, look, there's a couple of topics here I just wanted to throw at you and then we'll get into the questions. So the first thing, and I think it's the thing that everyone, now for people listening, we're recording this on Monday. I think most weeks after this, we'll probably record closer to the actual release. There will be a couple of days here, but hopefully it's just the Euros on a couple of games a day. Hopefully there won't be too much changes. But today, so rare announced French national team cards. Um, they, just to get this out there for people who maybe missed it or who didn't read it, 
these cards will be included in the 111 allocated per player per season so it's not extra cards flooding the market it's just uh, unless they're players who obviously aren't licensed then they are extra cards um, and they teased another nation could be added very soon that was the crux of the announcement for me there's a bit more to it um for me mel i mean it, it's great adds collectability you know you're throwing nations into it people are very patriotic people will i would buy an irish if you if you had the irish team on there if they make the world cup or if they made the euros or whatever which will definitely You'll be not waiting a long while exactly yeah <laughs> i would be going in for the troy parrot do you know what i mean i would do that in the ireland kit i would i would do that um and you'll see i'm sure we'll see the big wheels who a lot of them happen to be french will be going hard at these cards but what's your kind of initial feelings on it Oh, well, it's a great announcement, isn't it? I mean, I can see, I can see that some people will probably think, well, never going to be able to afford to get involved in this because yeah. you know it's just come out. The card prices, from what I've seen, I've been at work all day, but they've sort of quickly copped on. It's like they're they're really going off for some high prices. So it's difficult because you sort of feel like, God, I'm going to have to sell a body part to get involved in this. But it's mm. all really good for the marketing of the product. And the other thing is that initial enthusiasm will die down a little bit hopefully and the prices might get a bit more reasonable and then you can pick up a player that you just wouldn't have a chance of getting otherwise because they're then their their domestic club isn't covered so whether you want want Pogba you know can you imagine if England gets covered and we get a shot at Jaden Sancho you know that's the kind of stuff that's going to create more excitement on the platform and again it's another thing that content creators are going to be using to to show off what you can get hold of so i think it's good it's a step in in the right direction i just you know i just wish it had been done before the euros rather than once the euros have started but you know good on them for getting the cards out before the french game obviously people haven't been able to use them in so5 but i can't even imagine how many hoops they've had to jump through to do this with the national team so good on them i think this is this is a positive yeah, it's it's one of those that, you know, then made an announcement. We'll get into that maybe quickly. There's a question about that later, so we'll leave the announcement debacle till a bit later. But even just like the CEO, Nicholas, tweeting last night, excited for tomorrow and this sort of stuff. I mean, I can see why people on a lower budget, um, even myself and yourself probably, I mean, I'm priced out of many of these, the first edition, second edition, third editions. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going near that. But you know, we were all excited for an announcement. And I suppose whenever you get excited and you see them picking it up, you, you automatically assume you're going to be involved. But <laughs> now we're not involved and it is again just bigger accounts buying them. But look, what people need to realize is this is great for the platform adding these nations in. Whenever there's a new scarcity of card comes in, you know, there'll be nation versions of that, I imagine. Whenever mm-hmm. more of these are printed each and every season, you know, it'll get to the stage where imagine these were here in time for the Euros. You could go in and buy your... I don't know, your Polish player because you think Poland are dark horses and you could almost be gambling on the, the collectability of that card going into the tournament. Do you know, you could be buying these players that you feel could have standout tournaments and then that card will become ever more collectible. So look, short term as in today, tomorrow, maybe the next day, there's not a lot in this for many of us other than it's a great thing for the platform. I'm sure we can all acknowledge that. But I think long term, it just adds a bit more diversity and collectability to the cards. And I think we'll all benefit from that. So I think it's great. Yeah. The more, the more recognizable players there are on the platform, the more credible. So rare is, and the Mm. more people it will attract. And the other thing is the first thing I thought actually, when I saw the prices was I can't afford any of them, but while the whales have got their eyes diverted elsewhere, what might I pick up for a bargain? Because 
you know, we've seen this before when there's been high profile launches of teams, then other other players have sort of gone under the radar. So I'm thinking, is there a bundle I might pick up? Is there someone else that, yeah. that I wouldn't otherwise get because no one else is going to be bidding on them? So there's always an angle, I think. Absolutely. Um now, the next kind of thing on the we'll move on from that for now. In fact, no, there's one last thing I'm gonna throw out there and it's an absolute spoiler. So I'll give you I'll tell you when, but I'm gonna say skip 15 seconds if you don't want the spoiler that I'm gonna give. So you have the option. But um I was watching Quinny's conversation today with the Andrews, Laird and Black, um, and they talked about basically this this was kind of known, the French national team was known because people can actually dig into the code or whatever and find what cards are minted. So basically there's little nerds out there who can do that, <laughs> right? And they've also seen the next nation. Now, it obviously hasn't been confirmed by so rare. There might be still some licensing issues. Maybe they're just holding it off, waiting for the right moment. But skip forward 15 seconds now if you don't know, don't want to know who it is. It looks very, very likely that it is Germany. So... They're going to be the next people. We're not going to go into that, Mel, because I don't want to spoil it for people who want to save it. I don't know if anyone will, because it's good to know for the market and whatever else and what to expect. But that's enough of that. We'll not mention that ever again until it's announced. So what I wanted to say to you, it's something that I've noticed, and it's kind of counterintuitive. I mean, we've been on platforms before, and on those platforms for so long, and with the delay of Euro 2020, the euros the euros the euros is what we like well we're building to the euros it's going to be it's going to be amazing for market it's going to be so good for this it's going to be so good for that yet i'm sure like me many other managers have found this somewhat of an anticlimax and so rare and i think this and I, but i do think this will be the quietest euros or international tournament we'll ever have and it's just down to the lack of teams that are actually on board in the grand scheme of things and um, there's a lot of players who like, find the keepers impossible it's impossible for so many unless you happen to have one of the keepers um you know i can't get a team of five out i can get a team of four out and it's questionable whether one or two of them might start you know like stephen burkhouse or joe goo you might get a few minutes uh that's where I'm at. And I have a big enough collection relative to the average, do you know? I'd say a lot of us have found this almost like an anti-climax. I don't think that's so rare's fault. It's just the nature of the beast at the moment. But I'm buzzing for the World Cup because I can't wait to take part properly. How have you found it this this year so far? Yeah, quite, quite similar, really. I mean, I I thought I'd got a team of five out and then two of them didn't bloody start. So I've got yeah, a team yeah, of yeah. three, which been a real anticlimax um and you know in an ideal world it would have been great if there'd have been the kind of one-shot league approach where everybody could have a have a go with all of the cards available but i just think it's come too soon in the in the development of so rare at least now we're seeing the national teams coming on and i think i was wrong actually because i think i just said that it would have been good if the french cards were out before the game but i think they fall in the next game week so hopefully i think people, they do i was looking so at people will be able to build those in if they can afford them but like you say by the time the world cup comes along we should be much more sorted especially if there's a new scarcity and things are, are more affordable I think there's an element of needing to be a bit patient because of the way that this develops. Because you can't can't have it both ways. You you can't want to have access to every card available and at the same time want to preserve collection values because the two mm. don't necessarily work together. So, yeah, a bit anticlimactic. But if this becomes the springboard for them launching all or, or many of the national teams and they can really build that into the Euros hype, then I think that's a win for me. 
Yeah. Look, I think like, obviously they had to do something for it. As you say, probably a little bit early in the life cycle is so rare. As I say, I think this will be the quietest tournament, international tournament that we ever see, really. Um, or international tournaments. I know there's the Cup America and whatever else going on. But yeah, it's just been so quiet for me. And it's like, oh, yay. But I can't really get excited about the so rare side of it. I'm, I've just been building for next season. That's the strategy I've took. I'm building for next season and that's what I'm doing. And something I might actually look at today is I should probably look at selling the few, like the very few Euro performers that I have. I should probably look into selling them because people will want them. Like I have a Ruben Diaz there. Solid, solid player. Would love him for next season. But I mean, people will want him. Maybe not in that group. I don't know. It's just something worth thinking. I mentioned it in a video I made on YouTube about like, you know, if you aren't going to be able to field the full team, but you happen to have a Courtois or a Donnarumma, if you have one of them, you probably can field the full team. But the point stands, if you had a Haradeki or whoever for Finland, but you couldn't field the full team, it might be worth offloading that really, really high demand player at the moment and buying two that are going to be great for you next season, you know? Um, so that's kind of the way I'm playing it. I'm very much just building for next year. Um, but yeah, anything else in the Euros? It's very early days, isn't it, really, at the minute? It's very early days, very early days. Um, but yeah, I just can't wait to see what teams come on next because we know there's yeah. another one coming, but hopefully then there'll just be a, a flood of them from there. I think that's so, it's so good that they had France and it was always going to be France. Was it? Well, it wasn't always going to be France, but that's the one they would have wanted because it's a French company and the French roots there. But I think having the world champions it's great because other teams will fall in line. Other teams will be like, well, we want a piece of that. Do you know if it's good enough for, if it's good enough for France, it's good enough for us. So, I mean, it'd be different if they went and scraped them out of Finland. No, no insult meant to any of our Finnish listeners, but uh, like, you know, maybe France would be like, nah, not for us. But anyway, maybe having Griezmann in the dressing room was, was uh, somewhat pivotal to it. Who knows? Right. The next thing I just wanted to talk to you briefly before we get into the questions was you're an ambassador, Mel. So what exactly does being an ambassador entail? Are you still allowed to like negotiate really aggressively with people and, and show, <laughs> throw, throw shit offers at people in so rare? Or do you have to conduct yourself a certain way? What's the story? Because there seems to be a bit of maybe misunderstanding in the community about your actual role or what you do. I think there's a lot of confusion between ambassadors and affiliates. And the two mm. can overlap, but they are actually different. So I I think I approached uh, Dan from So Rare about becoming an ambassador at the start of the year. It might have been February, maybe, which is around about the same time as I signed up to the affiliate program as well. But the two are unrelated. So if you're an affiliate, then you get a bit of a kickback when people use your link. So instead of getting a free card, you get a percentage on people's purchases um, and as I had a blog, they were kind of directing people who had things like a blog or some kind of presence to use the affiliate link rather than the normal link, because I guess they mm. wouldn't be giving out loads of free cards. So that's why I became an affiliate. I don't think I aggressively push it um, because I think, you know, I'd rather people find their own way as much as possible. I don't want Unlike to me, I'm out. a scumbag, Mel. I'll throw it's it just, everywhere. Just a serial <laughs> pumper. That's it, yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's there. And that's that's the reason why. That was the direction people were pushed in by Sarah if they had a blog or something like that. But then I approached Dan about the ambassador role because I've heard that there were ambassadors as part of the community who just served to be a bit of a link between the rest of the community and the team and you know, supported with things like modding on the Discord and just to be there to provide a bit of feedback. And really, you know, I came to that because I, I, I don't have a shed load of money. 
um, I don't have a crypto background, so I thought that I could be quite a useful link, really, to people like that who are coming in on lower budgets, um, who were new to NFTs, and to kind of share that perspective with the team. And, you know, I also quite like diffusing conflict. I don't know why. It's a bit <laughs> mad like that. And I've seen, you know, I've seen things kicking off sometimes on the Discord because it's a passionate community and that always happens. Uh, and I, I tell I quite, you what, Sorry, tone is lost every single message. Yeah. The amount of times people are talking and they both think the same thing, but tone is lost and it's always taken wrong. Yeah. Tell you what, that's why I just save my arguments for podcasts because yeah. like, you can really get your point across. You see on text, oh, it's killer. It's, it's just really difficult. And, and I found myself getting involved in those discussions and trying to just calm things down because I, you know, I want people... I think everybody wants people to be able to express an opinion, but there comes a point where it's not actually constructive. And... Mm. I want So Rare to grow because that's in all of our interests and I, I didn't want that to become something that was off-putting to new users. So they're the kind of reasons that I approached Dan and he, he spoke to me and said that they were looking for ambassadors at the time. So I joined, there were a couple of others that joined at the same time. And all it means really is that we have a moderation role on the Discord. So when people pop up and say, can you change my colour to red or blue? I'm one of the people that does the magic colour change. Um <laughs> We do have the power to delete messages, ban people, really, really rarely used. They're not something that any of us would do, I think, without consultation with the So Rare team because they're big decisions that aren't often taken. But more importantly than that, just to be there to offer help and advice. Um, most of us have something going on outside where we're supporting new users through blogs or podcasts and videos and things like that. And we do have an ambassador's channel on the Discord that's private where we can raise issues. So, for example, if we see an issue that keeps coming up, um, there was an issue the other week with onboarding where a few people were saying that they were running into a problem. So a couple of us popped on the private channel and just said, Carl, there's a problem. So we just help to flag things up to the team. And then every now and then Dan will arrange a session with us all just to see what's coming up from the community. So we don't get inside information. We're not bending well as far as i'm aware we're not bending their ear to change things to, to suit us and mm. it's a real mix of people it's not just big accounts um it's big and small different countries and it, it's nice to be part of a group like that so uh, you know hopefully that explains a little bit about it and why why i wanted to be an ambassador and it, it doesn't mean that i'm going to sanitize things and i'm not going to say when things aren't working and you know that's one of the reasons that we have the ambassadors channel is so we can pop on and say why have you done this this makes no sense yeah, yeah. You know? but it's just it's just a useful feedback channel i think absolutely and for anyone who's listening who doesn't have a clue what mel's on about in terms of discord and stuff i'd highly highly this is like rule number one if you're joining so rare for me by the way is join that discord particularly for trading i mean it if i go and someone has a card in the market i will never i'm just i don't know if anyone else does this but i will never just buy i always want a cheeky five or ten percent and if you don't have a discord i'm probably not buying your card i go straight to discord look for the manager name of the card i want and i'll message me like here let's have a talk so get on discord um i don't get on forgetting you to go there other than in enhancing your so rare experience i probably haven't bought a card off someone who's not on discord for months and that's just the truth of it and there's lots of great resources there um that mel shall police um (laughs) (laughs) and make sure you well just don't be a tool and you won't get banned that's about it so yeah that that's what ambassadors do fair play to you i don't envy you i never put myself forward for the role because 
dealing with some people would just push me over the edge. So I have a lot of respect for your patience. But Mel, is there anything else on that you want to discuss? Or will we just get stuck into the questions? No, I think that's it really. But what I would say is I, I do understand why people get frustrated. And, you know, I, I, I can completely understand that people sometimes feel that things aren't moving quick enough or that certain elements of the market are being prioritised over others. So, you know, I really want the Discord to be a place where those kind of things can be shared. And I know that's what the team want as well. Um, I've seen some things recently online about censorship and messages being deleted, but it's such a rare thing. And there's always an explanation when that happens. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd urge people to just get on, have a look, and you'll see for yourselves. It's not all it's not all pumping and uh, everything's all rosy. Candy floss and rainbows. Yeah, that's the, yeah. that's the phrase. That's it. I will probably say that a lot. That's one of my go-to phrases. Um, so yeah, look, it's talking to some questions. So. Basically, every week, I'm going to put out for Twitter for some questions. If you have any questions that you'd like me and the guest of the week to get stuck into, please, please do send them in. Um, if you can't find me on Twitter, you can find me on Instagram at John Nellis. Hit me there. Um, and yeah, we'll get around to as many as we can. I want this podcast to be as community-driven as possible. I want it to be as open a dialogue as possible. So don't hold back. Ask us the tough ones. And yeah. Let's get stuck into them. So there are loads this week. People submitted multiple at times. Mightn't get through them all, but I just want to thank each and every person who took the time to come up with the question. Genuinely, thank you, but there's only so much time in the day. So first up, Hoodwink says, uh, what do you think of the podcast name? I think it's absolutely genius. Genius, he says, because I remember when I was coming up with the podcast, I said, I'm going to write to a few people I know and see if they'll come up with any ideas. And I think actually, Mel, you might have had a blog called So Far, So Good or So Rare or So Good or something at one stage. And that kind of was in my mind. And I was thinking like that was there. And then Hoodwink suggested it. And then I asked my dad, who's a pun guy, and he suggested it. I was like, it has to be this. This is like out there. Um, so you and Hoodwink, I think I have to give props to for the name. Thank you. I Thank stole you. it. <laughs> I apologize live. Um, okay. So question number two, moving swiftly on. So Rare's got me watching every single Daigu game, Daigu game, even at 6am on a Sunday morning. What's the most random team you now follow and actually watch live? So is there a team now that has a, a place in your heart that you never knew about before or cared for? I wouldn't say a team, no, because I'm, I'm one of those people that's now just following players most of the time instead of teams, which is the only drawback the I think, for all of these products is you just start to lose any allegiance to a team. But I have yeah. started having an interest in the MLS, which I'd never thought I would do and mm. actually watch some games because um, I found somewhere that was streaming them. So that was a revelation because I always thought that the quality was shite but actually it's just a little bit below average with occasional moments of brilliance so yeah i quite enjoy it and i like the i like the atmosphere at the mls mm. it's really it feels like almost like a world cup game the way that the crowd respond and yeah yeah so i quite like the mls huge crowds i think like some of the stadiums are massive aren't they <laughs> but um yeah no i i think for me i've definitely got a soft spot and i've watched some like bruges games I think it all it's it's all player orientated oriented. It's like I have a Vanakin and Lang and a super rare uh, Brandon Michelle Michelle. I always get the names wrong, and it's so hard when they're from all over the world. And it's going to be a running theme. So for anyone listening who hears me get names wrong, please just give me a bye ball. Uh, but anyway, Bruiser, someone who I'd watch a fair bit of Anderlecht as well, and I actually quite I watched a lot of Feyenoord because I had Berghaus. Um, so yeah kind of that's a that's they're my kind of 
they aren't even that out there really in terms of the so rare world but I, I never really get into the Asian leagues I tried I just couldn't do it um yeah I think that's about it is there anyone else really weird I've watched a game of I think I watched a Vitesse game once that's probably as far as I've pushed it but I'm sure time will change that um so next question from Jay Fraz excellent news been looking forward to this question one do you think people are holding back on the expectation holding money back on the expectation of a new scarcity coming soon if so what do you think the effect would be if so rare announced that this will be coming next year rather than imminently Ooh, i don't know i mean i think there's i think it feels like things have been held back there's certainly been a bit of a dampening on the market, but I don't know how much of that is related to so rare announcements and how much that's just end of the season, the big NFT mm. boom has died down a bit. So I, I kind of feel that we'll instinctively look for internal factors, but it could actually be external factors that are causing people to hold back. And also, you know, with COVID hopefully coming towards an end and people are going out a bit more and doing other things. So I don't know. It, you know, I think that I think it's really difficult for the team to to put a time on when these developments will happen because you know we don't know what's going to happen with the platform. We don't know how much it's going to grow, and I think any introduction of a new scarcity has to be tied to growth. Otherwise, mm. why do you need it? Because if the platform isn't growing, you don't need to add new cards to it. So, but I, do I you think? Sorry, do you think the new scarcity and the lower price bracket could almost ignite the growth and cause the growth? Do you think they need to be, do you think you need the growth to add the cards or do you think the cards could incite the growth? Do you know what I'm getting at? Like chicken and egg almost? Yeah, I mean, I think that if prices continue to be high, then that will ignite the growth. But Mm -hmm. if things drop down a bit, if prices aren't sky high, then they wouldn't need a new scarcity because Mm -hmm. more cards will drop and if if people feel that they can afford them. So I guess at the moment, it feels like a new scarcity is needed, but I just think they have to be a little open-minded and I think they need to find the right moment to launch it. And there's obviously a lot of development work that needs to go on behind the scenes in order to put the right structures in place so that it has a positive effect on the ecosystem. So I think it's quite it's quite difficult. I think they probably have to be a little bit fluid with it. I mean, my interpretation of what happened with the dynamic rewards is they kind of it felt to me as if they had a really good new structure that just came in about two months later than it should have done because it mm. would have been great to bring that in while the leagues were still active and you know growth was really pushing. But it took them a long time to get that right because it's so complicated and then they just slightly missed the optimum moment, I think, to introduce that. Mm. So I think with scarcity stuff, they need to do all the planning and then just be ready to pick the right moment for it because it, it needs to just hit hit the right timing, I think. There's a lot yeah. of there's a lot of speculation on Discord about how it will crash everybody's prices, but I think that's really premature because it shouldn't do. As you say, it should be a driver for new users because people will have a way of getting a taste of so rare without having to sell a kidney to get involved. Um, and as long as the structures are right around that, and perhaps the new scarcity doesn't interact with rares or whatever whatever to make it work, then mm. I, I feel quite confident about that as long as as long as they get all that in place. I'm very, very confident about it. And you scarcely, I think it's the best thing that can happen. I think, um, obviously, I understand people's um, caution or how dubious they are maybe about flooding a market with cards. But I think if it's almost detached in terms of the divisions, in terms of the utility, 
in terms of the rewards. It is just like I know myself. Like, thankfully, I joined so rare whenever. I mean, I was primed for sticking money into things in the thousands through Football Index, so I was ready for that. But when I think back to even joining Football Index, because it's my it was my first online football-y, big sums of money crazy endeavor, which is where a lot of so rare's customers will be. Mm. For because I was primed and ready for that from Football Index, I just came in and threw thousands at so rare, and that was fine. When I say thousands, it might have been two hundred quid in my first deposit, and then over a few months, maybe five grand over three or four months is what I kind of came in with. But to get people who are sitting at home watching the Euros and whatever, and they want to, be, they're going to become a so rare user because they're a fantasy lover or one of the eight million FPL users. You need them to be able to give it a go and say, "Ah, sure, I'll chuck twenty quid at it. I'll chuck fifty quid at it and give it a go." And then, like, it it doesn't. It's not about like just because someone has money doesn't mean they'll part with it for a random thing like so rare some nft project they need to be given that trust and that confidence in the platform and if like you could be a very wealthy person but you're that doesn't just automatically mean your starting spot is rares or in super rares you know you might want to come in and kind of be like all right okay yeah like if this if this work was for me i might have 10 grand i can throw in but Let's give it a 50 quid, give it a play around, see what it's about. Then you kind of learn it and you watch some content and you do this and you kind of become immersed in the community. And you're like, okay, I see where this is going. I see the vision. And then you go, here we go, rares and super rares. And that'll mm-hmm. happen. And in terms of retention and in terms of the progression is the important thing. But I just think like they're inevitably on the day that these new cards are released, there will probably be a hit on the rare prices because there'll be a lot of people who decide to go down a, a notch and that's fine. And there'll be a lot of people who get FOMO and who want to get the one of a thousand, one of 250, one of 500, whatever it is, killing a Mbappe. There'll be a lot of people who have little things like this and who are maybe scraping ETH rewards at the minute in D4 and think I could go down and properly compete in D5, right? There will be those people. But I think over time, it just makes rares more rare. I've said this before, it's a psychological thing. At the minute, the first port of call is rare cards. But you see, once the first port of call isn't rare cards, they become, they're on they're on this pedestal a bit more. Super rares, one of 10 in this first season, that's going to be madness. And that's why I'm kind of racing to the super rares at the minute personally. Thankfully, I have the budget to do that. I understand that everyone does. But I just think it's good long term if you have a long term vision which I personally do I'm here for years not weeks not months provided so rare continues and and they keep executing Um, I think it's great for every card but if you're Mm. here to make a quick buck or you're here to kind of dabble a bit and you have money and that you kind of need out for a wedding next year yeah short term maybe there'll be a bit of a hit on your, your collection value that was a bit of a ramble but that's kind of where my head's at on all this new scarcity stuff Scarcity, scarcity. I always butcher it, and I always say to everyone that I butcher it. I'm not going to apologize. You're on on podcast. (laughs) I I think that you know when you're attracting new users, you've got to think about the price point for entry. And the problem at the moment with Sarah is you can buy in for twenty quid, thirty quid, forty quid the prices at the moment, but you end up with some random player that you've never heard of and you have no interest in. And if we really want to grab people's attention, you've got to give them a chance of picking up some players that they've heard of. But you know, to protect the value of the rare cards, there's got to be something that you can only access with rare cards. You can't access with an uncommon scarcity or whatever it is, possibly the ETH rewards. We saw from 
what happened earlier on in the year, that people feel very passionately about the ability to, to earn, if you like, ETH through their cards. So if that's something that could be ring-fenced only to rare cards and above, you know, that's then an incentive for people to go up a level because you can only, you, you've got to only be able to progress so far with your, your starting deck of cards, I guess. Absolutely. Well, I think that's our question answered. Now, do you agree or anything else you want to chirp in on? No, I agree. Jay asked a great second question, but based on time, I'm going to snub it just to get more people's names shouted out and questions answered. But thank you so much, Jay. Good lad. Uh, Lagden, fan team Lagden. Um, Callum was a big member of the Footstock world, which unfortunately also went tits up, just like Football Index. A lot of us got burnt, myself and you included, I think. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Did you have much in Footstock at time of... I had probably, well, in card value, probably about a grand. Yeah, I had a few thousand. It, I found it harder actually to deal with than football index. That was the real killer for me when that went down. Because mm. at least There's... they seem like nice guys. Exactly. That <laughs> was the I killer. I trust anyone. Yeah. I think, do you know what? And it's easy saying this, and I know people have lost, and people who'll be listening to this, because a lot of my audience are people who know me, um, are from those communities. A lot of us got burned very heavily. Um, but and I know it's so annoying when you've been burnt heavily or something and someone's like oh but the silver lining or oh but we'll learn from this and be better but genuinely I know myself and I even take this approach with so rare now and you can see I have the podcast I really love it I have a lot of money in there people it's all transparent and so rare but I um and as much as like the guys who we deal with at so rare seem really nice and trusting and brilliant there is this I, I'll always question it and I'll never trust it too much because I know football index, whatever, they always felt like scumbags. Mm -hmm. Footstock, I trusted, do you know? Mm -hmm. And it's important to remember that like for big, big companies like this, sometimes, do you know, sometimes the company's going to come first if it if shit hits the fan and people just need to remember that. So while So Rare isn't a gambling platform, I just sort of reiterate to everyone don't have any money in here you can't afford to lose and that's not me speaking out of worries for so rare you can see how bullish i am on my transaction history everyone can see it um but again just to reiterate that that like you know make your own decisions and don't be an idiot anyway kind of went off on a down a rabbit hole there lagden from the soccer community who's now big into fan team and he's very very good at it uh, he was always really good at Footstock. As a complete outsider, I'm seeing lots of noise about issues with the platform. Genuine thoughts. Is now a bad time for someone trying to get involved? Uh, to get involved, is it too much currently in transition, or would you say it's a great time to join? So, I, think it's a, I think other than, you know, the best time to join is always last yesterday, month yeah. or last year. But other than that, I'd, I think now is a really good time to join because actually you don't want to join something when it's really peaking because you want to get in while people are a little bit nervous or the prices are a little bit suppressed. Why on earth would that not be the best time? Providing that you believe in the long-term future of the company and the roadmap that they've got in place, it's a great time. It's off-season for the main leagues, so you can pick up bargains. They've obviously got stuff around the corner that, we're aware of the, the progression stuff that's on the roadmap. They're bringing on the national teams. They're really doing a marketing push with influencers. So I think it's a good time, actually. Yeah, I, I have to agree. And again, I know people who listen to serial pumpers. This affiliate, Joel Nellis, wants everyone using his link and spend them. No, but genuinely, and again, this is the beauty of So Rare. It's transparent. Go and look at who I've been buying. You know, people can see what I'm at. Um, 
I think it's a great time because I personally believe in the long-term future of SoRare. As I said, not minutes ago, this isn't a weekly or a monthly sort of play for me. This is a one, three, five year game for me. Um, long-term, I think the vision they have, I think the decisions they make, I think the product they have, I think the investors they have, I think the legitimacy they have, I think all these things in my mind, and again, there's probably counter arguments to lots of this, and I'm sure down the line I'll have guests who'll throw it back at me, but um, for me, I'm very bullish long-term, so when's the best time to get involved? For me, if you were my dad or my brother Lagden, I would actually be saying, if you believe in the long-term of the company, it's today. It might be next week. I don't know. Maybe there's a bit more of a low when the Euros kind of calm down or whatever. I don't know. But in and around this next month or two, I think it's a good time because I'm starting to get FOMO for next season. Not necessarily FOMO, but I think like, I think there could be a market push. I think the new, new cards, more accessibility, there could be a push. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if the app is there later this year. I wouldn't be surprised if this happens, that happens. Um, I just think, yeah off season all logic points to this is a good time but maybe yeah. it's not maybe I think, wrong. I think you've got to do your research because obviously it does come across like we're just pumping affiliate it does, yeah. <laughs> but you know if there's there's obviously going to be noise at the moment i think there's been there's been difficulties with a, a recent announcement with the timing and the way that that landed but aside from that you know and some concerns about you know the larger accounts and the, the the how that impacts on the general ecosystem. All of that stuff feels natural at this point in time because mm. we've just gone through a growth phase, and I think you you can't have that growth phase without then having a bit of a readjustment afterwards because you're kind of running in that period, and then they've got to take stock of it and catch up with themselves. I think if you if you look at the platform, if you look at what Sarah are trying to do, and actually if you look at how they've responded to feedback. Because one of the things that caused issues on the Discord was people worrying that when the new rewards were announced that, you know, we're going to, the ETH threshold, we're going to be ending up with less than half of what we were getting before. And they listened and they've changed that. And they've committed to continuing to have an element of ETH reward in the new progression framework that's going to come in. They do listen. That's the key thing for me Mm. is... They don't always get it right first time, but they really do listen to the community and then where they can, they adjust. So that's the thing that gives me confidence, actually, because it means that when we're going through difficult periods, people are giving them feedback. They're taking it on board. It's shaping the product going forward. Mm. And the other thing I just throw in here before we move on to the next question is I know the communities Lagdens came from. A lot of these accounts come from a sort of community that has been particularly vocal recently i think a lot of people came out burnt maybe from and this isn't just turn everyone with the same brush so obviously there's lots of different people with different backgrounds and different views but i mean there's a lot from the kind of football and uk gambling scene you could say that have maybe come in here off the back of things that weren't so pleasant and obviously maybe joined in the boom timing wasn't great march was booming march is kind of when things started shitting themselves on these platforms um you know and they might have feel that if they were getting in on the kind of quick the high of the 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 bull run maybe they're starting to feel a bit burnt i don't know but you know it all depends on who you're following on twitter i can tell you, i follow a very diverse amount of people uh, i like to think um from the kind of so rare community and i can genuinely probably pick out about two or three people in my head who've been throwing toys out of the pram and mm-hmm. they are probably right in many ways they have a lot of fair fair points but what the, the common theme here is that those who are very happy are going to be nowhere near as vocal. So when you're hearing a lot of noise, 
you know, take out the pinch of salt and you have to look at all the positivity as well. But in saying that, maybe there is a lot of negativity. I just don't follow those people. I don't know. Um, so yeah, the big one there is do your own research. <laughs> Jeez, I'm saying that again. I didn't think that would be something to bring forward to this podcast. Um, Vespasian, another old friend. And good luck with the new pod, big man. Thank you, sir. Question to both. What's your strategy slash aim for progression within the game next season? So how do you think you're going to level up? Oh, it's really something I should try and do. What I, what I need to do is actually sell some poorer players. I was going to use the word dross, but that's not going to make them very attractive <laughs> on the transfer market. I need to sell some players that no longer fit in my team and buy some better ones because that, that's the problem. I think you, you've got to be able to trade your way up, and you can if you if you can let go. I'm just really rubbish at that. I mean, yeah. generally, my strategy has been to buy a lot of younger players in the hope that they will develop and that, that I'll have them when they hit their stride, really. Um, but, you know, I think that the mistake that I made when I started, and I think most people do, actually, is you just don't buy good enough players. And then you try and you think, oh, I need to get some super rares, but I can't afford the players that I want, so I'll just buy some that I can afford. And you just end up repeating the same mistakes. So what I want to do is just buy better players. Quite simple, yeah. really. Well, you see, quite often what you could do is um, what I try and do is get trades where I'm getting rid of two lesser players for one better player. But again, if you come in and you just scatter gone and buy all the shite, you're going to find it very hard to entice anyone with a trade with any sort of value. I think where I'm at is... I have a lot of rares. I didn't have enough super rares. I'm changing that. So I'm selling some rares, trying to offload some that are surplus to requirements. It's lovely having lots of prospects or lots of really solid performers, but there's only so many teams you can actually put out of rare players every week. Do you know, you can have your Vanekin and your Vlasic and your this and your that, but you've only got one challenger and one all-star lineup that they're really going to fit into each week. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So you need to be pushing a D3 then where you need super rares. So for me, I've made a few kind of what I'll call marquee signings, but in the background and maybe the goalkeeper position, the defender position at the minute, I've bought a few much, much cheaper super rares, um, hoping they can grow into my team, hoping that next year, the year after, I have those two super rare playing goalkeepers. I have those four defenders come in who the four of them cost the same price as one playing defender. Now, do you know what I mean? Um, and they're all kind of under 23s, probably under 20s, really. Um, that's my strategy, I suppose. Buying players, it's almost like the real world, do you know, and buying players that are going to grow into the team. Mm. And that's what I'm at because otherwise you just have to go and dump money which granted I've been doing a bit of, but if you don't dump money, you need to be clever and you need to kind of plan long-term, don't you? Yeah, and the other thing is I don't really know how much I do want to progress because I think there's That's this fair. assumption that you get in and you have to kind of work your way up. I don't even know if I'm that bothered. I think I quite like playing D4 generally and dabbling a bit in D3. And then I think to myself, if they do bring in a new scarcity, then I'll have automatically progressed because they'll be yeah, a level yeah. below. So. That's why yeah. with mediocre FC because we're just quite happy. We're just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're just sort of Newcastle. We're just, you know, if we don't yeah. get relegated, it's a, just it's a good season. Chipping away. I think for me, like, I think my grand plan is I'm going to maybe get out one under 23 D2. Sort of, that'll be my D2. Under 23 is where I'm going for that. It'll probably be a borderline shite lineup, but maybe 
on if I won't put it in every week, but on a week where the stars align that my under 23s play, I'll stick in a rare goalkeeper, the four outfielders, and keep my fingers and toes crossed. But um, other than that, be very much D4 heavy with a few D3s and very sporadic D2, I imagine. Um, but yeah, I think it's for me that question. It's about buying players that'll grow into the team. So we've time for a couple more. Oh, there's so many good questions, Mel. I'll do quick answers, I promise. Right, we'll, we'll be quick for a couple, right? And they're probably loaded questions. Let's do quick fire, bang out two or three. And I'll be really, really sharp with you. What's your opinion on Friday's postponed announcement? This is from Sean O'Neill. Do these things happen or is it a schoolboy error by so rare? These things happen. Too many moving parts. Give, give them a break. Yeah, I think for me, announcing announcements is always a tough one. Um, if you announce something people get excited you're very rarely going to live up to expectation you're better just dropping it but at the same time if something's locked and loaded I understand announcing the announcement to build up a bit of hysteria and get get the sort of publicity and get the market out there and that sort of hype benefits us all if it's followed through on the issue with stuff like this is and French national team licensing there's a lot of moving parts as you say a lot of tiny 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 details can fall through like really minuscule things. Licensing is always a ball ache. So I have no doubt in my mind that this was out of Sorare's sort mm. of control. They wouldn't have announced it if it, you know, they wouldn't have done this on purpose. But at the same time, maybe they'll have learned from that, that unless it is absolute 100%, 99% isn't good enough, 100%, maybe you don't announce the announcement. Maybe it's a surprise kind of drop. I don't know. Um. So yeah, bit of both for me. These things happen. Schoolboy error may be a bit harsh, but an error in some ways for me. Hendo, looking forward to this one. Would like to know each of your long-term strategy, strategies and how much weighting you will give to collectability and utility. So we kind of discussed getting into next season on a previous question. So for Hendo, how much weight do you give or will you give to collectability versus utility? Uh, utility is the main one for me, but sometimes there's a bit of a crossover in terms of wanting to have a particular player, even if they're not particularly useful now, but because you feel that they will in the future. So that's a bit of a future utility mm. collectability thing. Um, and there's a little bit of an element of what do the cards look like. Um, yeah, because I, I kind of find it difficult to have a mix of many different styles in my <laughs> in my squad so I've not bought any of the new season cards yet because I haven't quite managed to bring myself to break that yet because I've got got two seasons worth of cards and I don't know if I can bring myself to hit the third season so I'm struggling mentally with that a little bit of OCD there wait till you get a reward you'll snap you'll just bin it I know thank god I really get them (laughs) maybe you can do a giveaway get people to send up your link and something like that people would love that (laughs) anyway uh, yeah so for me I think utility is key at the minute for me I really need to focus on utility collectability is brilliant and I do have a few of them I have like a wee Brendan Aronson there who's like he's not you can't utilize him at all at the minute really but collectible wise I think long term he could be great seems like I've got a Eunice Musa recently um, and I have a bunch of youngsters that are you can't really use them now but maybe they aren't necessarily collectibles they're there'll be utility in them in the future so you're collecting them for their utility down the mm. line anyway it's kind of like a big Venn diagram you should get one of them done up um, right Mort's another quick one Good stuff. Look forward to this uh, question. Is it worth holding older cards or chasing new ones all the time? Benefits, drawbacks. So this is basically the older cards versus kind of the new season bonus, I imagine. Personally, 
I'll just answer this one quickly from my perspective. Because I come from that um, years, not months, I generally don't go for the new year because I'm not going to be entering this team for a few weeks and then bin it and start again for next season or whatever. I'm just kind of buying players I like long-term for a few seasons. So I'd rather get the older card if it's cheaper, whichever's cheaper is my answer, and just start leveling it up because I'm going to be using it for a long time. So I don't yeah. really care. Older is better because it's more likely to be a first edition rookie, some sort of collectible aspect. Middle season isn't going to be as collectible, full stop, for me. Yeah, I, I like the older ones because, as you say, you can build their XP up more, uh, level them up. I think partly, though, that's because I'm so bad at selling cards, so they get really well built up. I think if I was mm. trading in and out and also wanted to use the cards, I'd go for the new season ones because at least then you've got 5% bonus because just a couple of trades and they almost become useless power-wise. So that's mm. my perspective. Right. I'm really conscious of time here. We're going to bang out two more quickly. Um, two people asked this question, so we'll answer it. And then Marcus Sullivan gave us a bunch of questions, so I feel like we need to answer one of them. And then we'll do the 137 game, which I'm going to announce, and we'll get done. So Beds, Ty Blake, um, and Josh Forth both, basic, both basically asked, if you point one to spend, who are you buying? One player, Bye. point one. I looked, I looked to see on So Rare Data what was selling. So if I was going to buy one for utility now, I'd buy Brian Acosta. I think he plays for Dallas. He's doing good SO5 scores. He's in the national team for Honduras. He looks good. He's 27. He's in his prime. If I was buying one for the future, which is a bit of a cheek because I already have him, but Kenneth Taylor um, in the young Ajax team. Is going really cheap now, which hurts me slightly because I paid about three times that for him. But he's going to be a fantastic, creative, attacking midfielder in the future. So I think he's a steal. Brilliant. I don't know is my answer. Um, recent buys I got, I got Lewis Fortin, who's a goalkeeper um, for like 0.039. You'll be waiting a season or two on that one. Um, do you know, there's a few others there. Edward Mishu, I actually got for 0.1. I don't know what he's out of the market now. Yunus Musa, I got for 0.109. These are more collectible or long-term utility. These aren't short-term. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. We'll move on. I'll give you a great answer, and we're tight on time. Marco Sullivan, I'm going to go to, because he gave us a few great questions. I'm going to have to pick one. Um what will be more important in terms of boosting the user base for SoRare, a mobile app or a new scarcity? Scarcity. Oh, I think, I think a new scarcity because I mm. think that just has more impact because we're quite used to, most of us I think are quite used to working around the lack of an app at the moment. And I, I can't imagine it's very easy to build an app for something like this when you're dealing with things like metamask or ramp or it just feels complicated i don't think they'll have an app this year i think that's a next year thing yeah i find like i think the card scarcity is probably more important in the short term um but i do find like the app i know that i don't go on the site as much as i could because of the website logging me out every time it's annoying with a two-factor and having to fart about and it's the tiniest thing in the world and it's an extra 15 seconds on signing in but whenever you're kind of just waiting in a queue you're doing something it just puts me off sometimes someone taught me a trick for the, the two-factor which i didn't know but you everyone else probably already knows if you're on iphone and you use the google authenticator you can just touch the number 
and it and copies, copies it, and then you can just paste it in. I didn't know that, so for ages <laughs> I was just sat on the bus going two nine nine six people. People must have thought I was mad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that'll speed it up a small bit for you. It helps. Um, and then the last question of the day is oh there's so many here that are good um thanks to everyone who submitted them if you had to pick the top three features you'd like to see included in the app what would they be now that's a tough one if you haven't prepped it oh i've not prepped it but the most important thing would be notifications we've got to mm. there's got to be a way to tell us when someone's put an offering on one of our players or yeah. something else has happened because that's missing uh some kind of live score updates if something could be done with so 5 to make it more engaging i think that would be fantastic uh and uh, if they could build in a way to speak to managers through the app so that you don't have to try and find people on Discord because that can be really difficult. Yeah, you pretty much nailed them there. I think a chat feature, a way of talking to people to negotiate would be great. Uh, I think the kind of the, the notifications for the, that you can click what you want notifications for. Do you want to know about red cards? Kind of like flash scores and stuff like that. If they have that kind of thing. I think with so rare long term, if they can have the draw of highlights and coverage of some description if they can have the draw of what flash score do and if they can have the draw of the fantasy sites you'll get multiple different users so if they can do what these other sites do anyway and almost have the fantasy and the cards there as well that's a great way for onboarding if people are downloading so rare app for its notifications for the videos and the highlights and the coverage people will get sucked into the cards kind of by proxy so yeah that's the plan i'm pretty sure that is the plan yeah, and I, I, I mean that that sings to me. I can see that working. Um, so yeah, we've answered that. Mark, look, thank you so much for your other questions. They were brilliant, and everyone else there. Two Bob Squirt, Josh Forth. Um, there's loads of you. Um, I can't get through you all. To wrap up the show each week, a little feature that we kind of brought in that we're going to do is. If you can come up with a creative name, someone please send it to me. But for now, I'm just going to call it the 137 game because this podcast is brought to you by 137 p.m. So the 137 game, very creative name. And I'm going to ask people, I don't know whether as many players as you want is better. We'll go with two. We'll stick with two for now. Pick two players from the next game week. For us, Mel, that's game week 176, 18th, my birthday of June, when this podcast is released, to the 22nd of June. And you need to pick two players that are going to combine for a total of 137 points. There's going to be no bonuses or anything added on, just straight up 137 points. And if you get it right, you get a prize. You get a so rare merch bundle, and you'll also get some 137 p.m. merch. So basically you get some nice t-shirts and stuff is what you're going to get if you get it right. Oh, and last thing I need to throw in, because it's going to be very hard for anyone to get it right, each month the closest score will win. Um, But because this is mid-June, we're going to run this, the next six people up to the end of July. So whoever gets a close up to the end of July wins the prize. Have you got two players in mind? It's very tough. Yes, yes, I think I have. So I thought we could go with... uh, Wijnaldum from Netherlands. Ooh, so I think they're playing North Macedonia. Okay. So yeah. I think he'll do well. And then what about uh, Shakiri from Switzerland? I think they've got Wales, I think. Yeah, I could see that happening. I could see that happening. I could see Wijnaldum having an absolute stormer and then Shakiri kind of having an average one or they could both just kind of get one goal involvement, something like that. I like your plan. I like Fingers your play. Crossed. 
fingers crossed well Mel look that's all we have time for today uh, do you want to get, let people know where they can find you or plug anything you want to plug uh, yeah you'll find me hanging out in the discord MDJ on Twitter I think something similar to that football underscore MDJ I think and I've got a, got a blog out there as well which you'll find on my Twitter handle uh, but look me up you'll find me somewhere and I'm always happy to chat back so rare or anything else good stuff well look thanks very much to everyone for listening and Mel I'll chat to you soon Cheers, John. that's it for this week's episode of so far so rare i'll be back next week so make sure you follow me to get notified every time i drop a new episode make sure you leave a five star review it really really helps the podcast grow and it'd be amazing if you share this with your friends in different discords whatsapp groups and slacks if you follow me on twitter and dm me your questions i'll be sure to try and get around to them next week that's at john nellis underscore And So Far So Rare is a podcast brought to you by 1.37pm. For more information, follow 1.37pm on socials.